Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. This is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides along the journey to RPG adventures. Role-playing inspiration can come from anywhere, and we use our side quest to explore TV shows, movies, books, and other RPGs that influence our playstyle and storytelling. Whether we draw from intriguing plot points, amazing characters, or, well, you know, just kind of geek out about it, it should be a fun trip, and we're glad you came along for the ride. from today's sponsor. Hey everybody, Mr. Dave here. I'm going to tell you all about Funtime with MrDave.com. It's my new website where you can watch a show and learn about all the really cool stuff that we're going to be doing soon. So sit back, grab some popcorn, and check out www.funtimewithmrdave.com. Eh, not bad, but I do it better. <laughs> Welcome to today's episode, everybody. I feel like, again, I say this every single time that we sit down to record, but I am really excited to be presenting this episode to you all today. In honor of International Women's Day, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite female characters from across all of the sci-fi and fantasy genre shows uh, that we have watched uh, throughout the years. Uh, we have a, a big list, a huge list. Uh, it was it was, in fact, painful trying to go ahead and get this list uh, uh, down to a, a somewhat manageable number so that we could uh, record an episode on it uh, today. Uh, I know that uh, that Lee Wanika and Glenn share in my pain uh, on that, but really, uh, we these characters that we're going to be talking about today, uh, I really feel are, are sort of the best of the best. So let's go ahead and dive in without further ado. Uh, Lee Wanika, why don't you kick us off today? Thanks, Josh. Hey, Glenn. What up? I really wanted to talk talk about this this topic as josh said we are starting off and doing this in honor of international women's day and uh this was something we had planned a bit earlier scheduling scheduling conflicts kind of got in the way so we're getting to this about a, a few days after the fact but we definitely still felt it was important for us to uh talk about these characters yeah, absolutely they're critical to our genres they're critical to the shows we love, and in many cases, in some cases, at least for me personally, they're why I love these shows. They are the key element in why I love that show. I wanted to start off with one of my favorite uh, female characters of all time, of all, across all genres, but I want to start with Princess Leia. I don't think it's going to be very difficult for anybody to understand why she makes this list. The actor who portrayed her was amazing, but the character as written, as filmed, in almost every way you can you we've ever seen this character has been incredibly and and incredibly done. Um she's strong, she's driven, uh she's motivated, she is emotional in all the right ways and for all the right reasons. She sees people in pain and she takes action. What more can you say about a character in any of the genres we're talking about? An action-oriented 
character, a character with agency, a character who makes things happen and will do what it takes to get that to happen without ever losing her moral high ground. And that's a position that nobody embodies better than Princess Leia. Nice. She was definitely uh, on my list as well, which is why I picked so many extras just in case I had to cross off as we went. For my start, this might take a hot second, so I apologize. I have to uh, tell a story and then give you my first one. Um, Now, I say tell a story because my first pick isn't somebody that most people are going to be familiar with because she's not fictional at all. I used to do a lot of letterboxing. That's too much to actually go into, but it's like an artsy stamping scavenger hunt spread out across the world. You can letterbox in almost any country, Uh, but you can also do postals, which is where you create a stamp and a logbook in honor of something and you mail it around in in a big giant ring. And the postal theme for this particular postal that my wife and I joined was warrior women, powerful women. Um, and I went through a lot of the characters that are on this list, but in the end I wondered, and I started looking for, uh, women who have fought for our country. So I have to start by talking about Sergeant Leanne Hester, because she's who I actually did on that letterboxing postal. Um, but she's not a fictional character, so nobody else will have seen her show or read her book. Just those that are familiar with what actually happened. Um, and this was a few years ago in Afghanistan, I believe, but I'm not a hundred percent positive because it's been a while, as I said, but at any rate, she is the first female ever to be awarded the silver star for combat. Second ever to be awarded period. First one went to a world war II nurse whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head. So I'm so sorry, but first one for combat. Um, and she followed her, Quad leader into a ditch of insurgents and helped clear it hand to hand and saved her, her entire squad. In terms of powerful women and women moving and shaking the world and all stereotypes, my first shout out goes to her and all women who wear a uniform and defend us. Thank you very much. Uh, but for fictional characters, historical figures, but also from a movie, um, I really have to say it's one of the more recent movies I've watched as opposed to older things too. Catherine Johnson. Uh, Dorothy Vaughn and Mary Jackson from Hidden Figures, the women who really were part of NASA. Um, their characters were great, movie. amazing. Yeah. The movie was exceptionally well done. And the fact that these women existed in history, it's not a fictional tale. I love that, that type of movie, especially when I'm going for an inspirational character. But all of them, aside from being women, they were black women in the 50s. I want to say the 50s and they they worked for nasa it must have been 50s and yeah. 60s because it was space program. pretty sure 50s, it, it 60s was would 50s, be my but, guess yeah so so they were women of color in the 50s and they worked for nasa you know um and the main character Catherine, was like a mathematical genius she solved problems that computers couldn't solve in her head and they they were all real and they really did what the movie says they did and it was it was really cool they, they were very powerful and inspirational to me fabulous take Glenn, those are fantastic examples. Uh, I, the, the story that you were talking about, uh, about Sergeant Hester, that's really, really inspiring. And uh, Lee Wanika, with you starting with uh, with Space Mom, probably the, the pinnacle of the the inspirational leading lady, um, both for Princess Leia and for, for Carrie Fisher, who um, did so much good work out in the world uh, in the, the topic of mental illness and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, the first one that I'm going to talk about, uh, I think, is kind of a join between those two, and that's Zoe Washburn from Firefly, uh, who was not only the uh, the super tough, badass military leader, um, also uh, 
had this super profound relationship with Wash from the show. Um, and I thought that the way that the character was portrayed, uh, it really walked that line really well. Like she was not the uh she was not like the 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 pushover second to her husband type character she was very much uh, she had a lot of agency in that relationship she had a lot of respect from her husband and to her husband in that relationship and i thought that, that was really great and then on top of that was this uh this take no crap character who had seen things had you know when she had been fighting with mal uh had had seen some things and kind of come out the other side by her own admission a little rough around the edge and and not quite not quite the whole person that she was beforehand and I thought that the way that that was portrayed and the way that that was sort of explained uh, on the screen really gave that character just a tremendous amount of of depth I respected that character so much because of the way that it, that it was put across because of the things that her character had seen and the way that she had come out the other side I 100% agree with you and I know Glenn's going to talk about Zoe uh, for a brief for a hot minute because He's big on Firefly, one of the first people to try to get me into Firefly as well. Uh, the thing that I know most about Zoe, who is very close to being one of the one of the characters that I mentioned, is that she not only walks the lines you talked about, but she was a very, almost a perfect example of uh, PTSD for me. Yeah, That absolutely. rough around the edges changed from what she was because of what she's seen was something that we weren't seeing in television until around that time and after that time. And I think she was truly the start of that movement to showing some of these real world things. We've talked about that on the show before, you know, we have uh, on the show have connections with that based on military service and other issues. Cause not everything with PTSD is military in nature. So we all have connections with that. And that's, that's, important to note. I thought Zoe showed that well. And the one thing that I'm going to mention is her friendship with Mal, a man and a woman who were comrades, comrades in arms, no sexual tension, just friend was perfectly depicted. And yet, even despite the strength, and I truly mean strength of that friendship, when the chips were down, she sided with her husband because that's how strong of a moral center that character was. If you're looking for inspiration and how to play some of these nuances and where some of these calls go, for those that still talk about alignment and, and define it and want to do it, take a look at the way Zoe played it. The way that actor played that role, the way that character is depicted on, on, on TV screen and in film, and you will have a great way of showing loyalty and divided loyalties and how and why and how hard the tough calls get made. I'll try to be quick because I know we, we've got a lot of ground to cover, but yeah, I love Zoe. She was on my list too. And see, I was right. Make a <laughs> list of 15 so that if you've got them too, I can cross them off and I still got names. But I love Zoe. She's amazing. And both of you are spot on her relationship, Wash and you know, their, their unique husband, wife, just romantic partnership and the way that they interact is, is so fun to watch. And um, her friendship with Mal and how deep it is and how connected they are without having the romantical side really really strong if you out there have not seen firefly amazing show short mini series that was so good that when it got canceled the fans got boisterous enough they created a full-length motion picture called serenity to tie up the loose ends and give yep. the show closure but for zoe my opinion go with episode 10 war stories and you'll get one of the best 
portrayals of all of the things we've been talking about in this episode um, as Mal and her husband, the two most important men in her lives, are captured by the evil villain Niska and have to survive his torture while she comes to get him. And yep. she comes to get him. So that's an amazing <laughs> episode to watch. Yep. It is one of my most rewatched episodes. I will pull out the DVD off the rack and I will watch that episode just because I'm in a mood. I want to watch that episode. That's that good. So I have to go with the hero, the character, the woman who didn't want to be special, but in every single way she was. She is determined. She is focused. And she is smarter than everybody in every room she's ever been in, in every scene, in every film, and in every comic I have ever seen this character in, and that is Ellen mm, Ripley. Hands yep. down, full stop. She, from the start, knew her stuff, knew what was up, and when things went wrong, she was the only one who had a plan. She fought against every odd, every horror, every terrible thing that could have happened, and then, because it's what she had to do, went out and did it again. Now, there are some failings in later films, but even in the later films, Ellen Ripley was an incredible character. She was a defining element. And for me, my personal connection is my mom went to see the first Aliens movie when it first came out in the theater and she came home and all she did was talk to me about how great this character was. My mom was actually a different woman and parent after seeing this character on film and in many ways better than before. Seeing a woman being strong was what made my mom feel comfortable in being stronger. And that, you can't get better than that. And, and a brilliant portrayal of Ellen Ripley by Sigourney Weaver in every way, shape, and form. I mean, talk about a portrayal that became iconic. And you would be hard-pressed to find one better than Sigourney Weaver portraying Ellen Ripley. Absolutely. I mean, to be honest, looking back against all of the things that it was up against, you know, the first movie... Could you imagine that Sigourney Weaver in that movie would turn into a franchise? I mean, it was epic and amazing as a one shot, but for it to become what it did wasn't just the character. It was Sigourney Weaver herself, too, as an actress, as a person. She yeah. she was powerful and she dominated that role. She made me believe every second of it. To be fair, I believe that comment that it is the actor in the role as well as the role as written that are making these characters. Yeah. I think we're going to be able to say that about every single character we discussed today yep because i can't think of any one of them that could be played by a different actor than who played them i think that's what makes the memorable characters and uh so that's a brilliant point Glenn. absolutely yep. all right funny you should say that i was just gonna say <laughs> <laughs> because my next my next person i have to put on there because i am a huge buffy fan i admit it I raised the flag high. I am a Buffy nerd. I own the movie and the full series, which was in Buffy and those two was played by two different actresses. The key there is you just got to look at them as two separate things. I mean, the time between the movie and the series, they're clearly not related. And I enjoyed both. Both actresses brought interesting things to the character of Buffy. Obviously, Sarah Michelle Gellar had more time because it went seven seasons on network uh, but Buffy is I mean she's a vampire slayer she's a monster slayer she's Van Helsing but super powered yeah. once a generation and a girl I mean she makes 
dudes look silly in this show all day long, but only when she needs to, because she's not, you know, she's not trying to be like that. She's, she's cool. Um, but she's not just strong though. I mean, she does the right thing. She does the hard thing. Um, I gave you one of the best examples for Zoe for Buffy. It would be season finale of season two. If you want to see like the true depth of character that early in the show, you'll see Sarah Michelle Geller's depth with Buffy. Um, and I'm not going to throw out, you know, all the plot points and spoilers because it would take too much explanation because it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a complex show. But yeah. um, if you haven't watched Buffy, it's a little bit older, but give it a shot. I love it. Uh, cool. So the next one on my list, uh, I am going to throw back to Star Wars a little bit here. Uh, and I'm going to talk about one of my favorite characters from... Uh, what I would call the newer generation of Star Wars. So these are this was not a, uh, this was not a film character. This was a character from from originally the Clone Wars animated series. Um, and you want to talk about a character that uh, sort of started, much like Buffy, kind of started in one one vein and showed such amazing growth throughout the entirety of the series. I'm talking about Asaka Tano, who was just a brilliantly written character who from day one was never going to go ahead and take any crap from anybody who was going to be independent was going to walk her own path regardless of who tried to stop her or who tried to get in her way be it jedi or or otherwise that kind of feeling just kind of proceeded throughout the entirety of the, of the series and just got stronger to the point where when she turns her back on the Jedi Order and turns her back on uh, on on Anakin on some level, you realize that at that point in time, the decision that she's making is both absolutely agonizing and absolutely the only decision that she can make because she's she's realizing something that nobody else in the Jedi Order is is really uh, really tuned into, and that's that's kind of where the the rot is taking root on the on the inside and that something's not right just a brilliant portrayal of a character who when when she came back in the mandalorian uh the episode that she was in the mandalorian again picked up right from kind of in a feeling sense exactly where she left off in the clone wars she had these moments of tenderness and and relatability to Grogu to help Dinjarin kind of uncrack some of those mysteries about who he was and also totally kicked ass in that episode like taking on pretty much an entire city worth of bad guys because it's what she felt like she needed to do for her own ideals and for her own goals and everything like that um, but not not in a selfish way in in that sense of justice that Asako had uh, just a brilliantly written character Ahsoka's a fa fantastic character. The voice actress whose name is escaping me at this moment uh, voiced her brilliantly in The Clone Wars, voiced her brilliantly in Star Wars Rebels. And when you're talking about how she picked up, she actually picks up perfectly in, in Rebels and then from Rebels into uh, The Mandalorian. And you're right, the through line on the emotion, even though it's now being portrayed by Rosario Dawson, Another brilliant, brilliant actor who I have gone on record and posted to Kevin Smith's Facebook many times saying, thank you for bringing her to our attention. She was in other things, but I didn't see her until she appeared in Clerks 2. And I have watched her ever since. And yep. so I thank Kevin Smith for her all the time. And I love the fact that 
he considers Rosario Dawson to be so great that whenever she does a project, he is posting about that project because that's how he feels about her. And I share that feeling. Brilliant character, exceptionally well done. And again, as far as inspiration for what we do at the table, player agency. Yep. That whole first, the Clone Wars, if you think about it, is a big campaign in a tabletop game. She played the character right to the till right near the end of it and said at the end of it, my character has to walk away because that's the only way to be true to this character. That's the epitome of a good story, a fantastic end within that campaign, but still leaving an opening where she comes back in a later campaign. You can't say enough good about that. Okay. Lee Wanika, why don't you, uh, why don't you continue on with your list here? All right. So I have to say that mine comes from one of my all-time favorite sci-fi shows, uh, Babylon 5. And without a doubt, the fact that I just mentioned the show name, everybody knows the female character I'm about to say. And that is, that is Susan Ivanova. I love this character. From the moment she came on screen, she was not in the original pilot. She was there in, the, in, the, in season one, however right at the beginning and all the way to the end. She is the epitome of determination and strength. She has so many great lines and so many great speeches throughout the five years of this show that I can't say enough. Knowing a little bit of the actor's personal story on, on, on the side behind the scenes while this show is being filmed and, and some of her struggles in real life afterward, it is just an impressive that uh, such a great character has come to life within this show. And all I can say about Susan Ivanova is she's Russian. She, she, or the character's Russian. She talks about things from a Russian perspective. You never lose that in her character, but you always see that determination, that loyalty to the morals of her military uh, uh, unit versus loyalty to the actual badges and ranks within that military unit. And that's an important thing. I think it's something that. Uh, me as a former military person uh, really enjoy seeing on film the, uh, a loyalty to the to the code, not the man. And, and I think she depicts that so perfectly well. When she has a mat on and is about to be in a space battle and she's going to throw down, she is the hand of vengeance. I, I'm uh, I'm going to throw out another name here in in kind of the scope of that leader role who who just commands the screen that is from homeland elizabeth marvel you know it's got that same sort of uh that same sort of gravitas to the way that the character kind of takes over every single time that they that they speak that they're trying to do everything um and so i think that's a brilliant example it's been many moons since babylon 5 and uh back then i was Subject to a curse that many young folks won't actually be able to relate to. Of I worked on the night when Babylon 5 aired, and there was no TV. So I never got to see as much of the show as Lee did, and I didn't become as much of a fan. But what I remember of it was fantastic, and Susan Ionova does definitely still stand out in my mind. So Yep. So to round out kind of the third name that I threw out here, I'm going to call back a little bit to uh, to Lee Wanico when he mentioned um, Ellen Ripley from Aliens. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit and, and call for a twofer. I'm going to throw out um, Louise Banks from Arrival, um, but 
also, I want to mention uh, Jodie Foster's portrayal of Eleanor Arroway from Contact. These two characters, uh, we talked about this a little bit in our show notes about how Leonika thought that they were sequels of the same movie, and they're not. But the but but what's funny is that before you had ever said that, oh. I know I'm totally throwing him under the bus. Yeah, yeah. What? Oh yeah, right under the bus. Ah, absolutely. Man, yeah. Man. <laughs> but so I had I had connected these two characters in my head before that because you talk about characters who are smarter than everybody else in the room and almost not being listened to no matter how loud they bang the drum about what they know is going on and the amount of. Uh, tenacity that it takes for them to persuade the people in control that they actually that they that they really do know what they're talking about and that they really do have information that needs to be done they approach them in somewhat different ways but i thought that just the way that these characters displayed that tenacity and the way that they sort of uh that they showcased uh again that that strong super smart approach to just they were not going to back down they were not going to they weren't going to take no for an answer they were and they were going to keep talking they were going to keep moving their way to the next person until somebody listened to them it was just they just really super cool characters and two really super cool movies also <laughs> i absolutely agree but since everybody else has got a little cheat in today i'm going to get a little cheat in here also i'm going to say clarice sterling Uh, So wonderfully portrayed by several actresses, though I am personally a fan of Jodie Foster's. And Jodie Foster, yeah. I think she was the absolute best. And interestingly enough, I have watched the first couple episodes, or at least a couple episodes, of the new show. um, That's uh, uh, Clarice, which is on uh, CBS, I believe. And I think that the actor who's portraying uh, Clarice Starling in this, which takes place immediately following Silence of the Lamb, is brilliant. And I think her portrayal is so close to that. Like, I actually had to do a double take during a couple scenes because I thought I was actually watching Jodie Foster. But it's not. And there are significant differences. But it was just brilliantly played. Extremely well done. But I love that character. And there's a line that, uh, in the news show, that Clarice uh, uses. Somebody tells her, like, Starling, you got to slow down. And she says, no, don't tell me to slow down. You catch up. <laughs> and that, yeah. that is what a powerful character has to do. Absolutely. That's what we're talking about. And, and that's the kind of line that I think every every character we're talking about in this episode in honor of International Women's Day would absolutely agree with. Don't tell me to slow down. You catch up. That's the kind of character we're talking about. And I think <laughs> I get to cheat too. So we'll throw uh, yep. three. No, absolutely. Yep. So let's, I know that a bunch of us had an extensive list of sort of honorable mention uh, picks uh, that we want to go ahead and throw out there. Glenn, let's throw out some of your honorable mentions. Who are some of the, who are some of the, the, the characters that, uh, that we didn't talk about at length, but still want to go ahead and mention uh, for greatness on, on film. Okay, cool. So quick summary. I'd have to hit up uh, Charlene Baltimore. From the Long Kiss Goodnight, old Charlie! movie, came such a out great movie in the nineties, ninety six, in fact. But she was one of, in my memory, the first female full on like roll flops. I'm the badass action star, and Mr. Samuel L. Jackson, who is the man, can play second <laughs> fiddle to me. Uh, and she was played by Gina Davis. A really great film uh, where she plays a spy who, you know, bad things happen. She got amnesia and hey had a kid started a family and then oh 
the old personality comes back. It was really, really good. But Char- uh, but Charlie Baltimore is 100% as badass as any other spy male role you'll ever run across in that film. She actually says and pulls off that we might cut this uh-uh. and pulls it off, <laughs> like pulls it off. But I don't think we can actually say that because I don't think we can say that on TV. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Too many beeps. <laughs> I absolutely uh, second that. She was actually on my long list for characters. I didn't know how to do that character justice without quoting that line. So that is the only reason why she didn't make my list of honor. <laughs> and when I saw it on your list just now, Glenn, that's why I was celebrating both hands waving in the air because I so love that character. They absolutely should have done a franchise based on that character. That could have been cool. Gina Davis. Now that might happen, but back then they couldn't do big screen actors. Didn't go small screen so easy because the money wasn't there. But for other honorable mentions, I just got to throw out Michonne from The Walking Dead in terms of her badassery knows no bounds. Also on my long list. Yeah. And Big Dottie Henson from A League of Their Own, another historical figure. Such a great movie. Also, Yes. I mean, talk about. Without being a warrior, like a a, a I kill you warrior, but still a warrior in her own right. You know, she was just so powerful and strong. I have to mention Mulan, either version of Disney, though I know it's not close to the original, but the way it was portrayed in Disney, the character was very powerful. Your your mention of Charlie brought to mind somebody else that was on, on my long list, um, and that's Sarah Connor from the Terminator series. You want to talk about a, a character uh, that really took no guff from anybody, whether they are 14-year-old rebellious kid or head of the the sci-fi technology conglomerate that's going to destroy the world or a super high-tech robot assassin from the future come back to eliminate that path that in the time stream. And Sarah Connor at no point in time gives any of them any quarter no leverage. She owns them from from start to finish. Um, just a, a brilliant, a brilliant character. Um, and then on also on my long list was one name uh, from a show that had a slew of really strong female characters who were all strong in very different ways. Um, and so kind of picking one from this series was difficult, but the one that I ultimately settled on was Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones. And the reason why I picked her uh, apart from uh, from any of the other characters is because, again, I thought that her character was the one that was most consistent from start to finish. I thought that she was presented as chivalric and a character who had a firm moral core and who uh, was never going to back down from a personal oath when they swore it. And that drove her character to the ends of the world in a plethora of ways throughout that series. But none of those things ever wavered. She was firm on her oath, even to the point where she realized that to go ahead and like fulfill her oath, it temporarily meant aligning herself with the Lannisters, who were the mortal enemy by that point of the family that she had sworn her oath to. Watching her go through kind of the 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 moral and mental gymnastics that that Brienne was presented with at that point to realize that to accomplish her goal, she needed to do something that left her with that taste of ashes in her mouth and the way that she got through that and everything like that. 
an absolutely brilliant character. And that's not to go ahead and take away anything from any of the other strong female characters in that show, because I think that there are a dozen that you could talk about in that series. Um, but Brienne of Tarth is, is where I settled on. Absolutely. She was on my list as well. And all of the female characters in that movie, well, most of the female characters in that movie could be called very strong. But Brienne stood out in my mind, too, for a lot of those reasons. But just kind of her quiet strength and the fact that she wasn't your standard medieval typical warrior woman. She wasn't a dex-based fighter or, you know, relying on her lith frame. I mean, in a time when women were expected to be dainty and pretty, she was born big and broad and she went with it and she owned it. I mean, there was a sadness behind her character because of how much she didn't fit in um, that was deep and powerful too. But in spite of that, in spite of all of the people lined up against her, you know, she was just amazing. I loved Brianna. Exactly. There was that sadness until she found the way to to kind of forge her own road. Right. And, and she fought against that. You get to watch her find herself. She fought against that headwind for so long. And then when she realized to go ahead and steer into it. Brilliant. It was a matter. It, it really comes down to this. At the point in time where she took agency in her life, even though it was oath, oaths controlled some of her choices. But they were oaths she chose to make and she knowingly chose to make them. So when she took agency for her life, it changed the trajectory of her character. And I think that that's awesome. And I think that's where she stands out from the the other characters within the show. I think some of them had many powerful and important qualities that we would want to exemplify and promote. But if we're talking about strength of women and what makes what lifts women up, I think many of the other characters also had other aspects that wouldn't necessarily lift women up. And I think she's the one beyond all the others. And it's not that she didn't have flaws. Her flaws are ones that people might have, but they're not the types of things that we would say, you don't want to do this. Her flaws were the ones where it's like, if they happen to you, here's an example of how to overcome. How to overcome. And I think that that's where she really shines. Uh, She was on my long list also. To be honest, you, you summed that up very well. The moment when she took chose to take control of her own life, when she chose to take control of her and become her own agent, we got to watch her character arc as she effectively grew up, even though she was a grown woman at the start of the show. But that same character arc is in almost all of the powerful female figures in that show, just at various ages. So you could almost construe that part of the definition of becoming a strong character is being willing to take control of your own destiny and your own life and not let yourself be held down by what other people think you should be. You mean like starting a podcast in the middle of a pandemic because it's what you feel (laughs) needs to be done? I thought we just started this out of boredom. Who would do that? That, That's insanity. Who would do that? Well, that that might be the liner note, but I'm going to say we took some agents. Josh, uh, you mentioned some of those, some of the characters that were on your long list. Glenn, you mentioned yours. I'm going to mention two of mine, and they come from two sci-fi shows that I absolutely love and adore, and I feel to my core. The first of those is Kara Thrace, Starbuck, from the 2000s reimagining of Battlestar Galactica. This is a brilliant character, a brilliantly done character, a deep and deeply involved character. I won't go into, in the course of this episode, all of the nuances of this character, but for all the naysayers that began, and I'm on record as having been one of them very quickly until I saw her on screen in the first scene. This character was amazing, and I am a a great Dirk Benedict fan and a great fan of the original Starbuck character. I look at these as two very different characters that just share a name, 
but this character was amazing. Deeply involved, cared deeply about her friends, her family, loved deeply, loved hard, fought hard, and and had her own core and code uh, that she followed from her first scene to till her last. And I think as far as story arcs over the course of a series, one of the one of the best I've seen. Battlestar Galactica ended in a very weird way, but her story ended in the only way her story could have ended. And I thought it was brilliant. I'm going to agree. She, uh, she was an excellent character too. I'll back you up there. And I was in the same boat when she first, when it first came out, but I don't think they had a choice. I mean, I started out anti new Starbuck because I mean, I loved the old Starbuck. He was my favorite character. He was the face of battle Battlestar Galactica, if you will. See what I did there with face? I did. I did. <laughs> and, and and if I recall correctly, he politely chuckled when I made the same joke at a dinner table or at a lunch table while we had cigars together at a convention. Once I watched the uh, new Starbuck, I, I was impressed too, and I couldn't help but join her camp. They didn't have a choice. Nobody was going to accept an imitation of the old Starbuck, so they had to go total role reversal, turn the role on its head, and do something new. Absolutely, and they did it brilliantly. The last one on my long list that I want to mention is from a little series. Maybe a few people heard of it. I mean, it only had 10 seasons. It only had a spinoff with five seasons and another spinoff with two seasons, a YouTube movie, and an animated show that lasted one season, uh, a, a, a tabletop role-playing game, uh, and and that is uh, Samantha Carter from Stargate SG-1. She was an amazing, amazing character. And I'm going to throw out the quote or a, a, a bastardization, if you will, of, of a quote she made. And I believe is in one of her very first scenes when she was first being brought on to the SG-1 team. She made the comment where when somebody was talking about, well, I don't think you should be going. And she said, why should I be any different as a woman just because my reproductive organs are on the inside and not on the outside? Done. Full stop. That's why she's she's great. She was a brilliant scientist. She was a fearsome warrior. She was a, an amazing friend. And she was part of and the heart of the team on this on that show. So good that they had to bring her on to Atlantis to save that show. Uh, and it did. It, <laughs> she honestly is the only reason why I, I watched like I liked Atlantis. But I, I was losing interest until they brought her onto the show. And that's a fact, uh, because that is such a well-done character. Sam Carter, off the rails good. I've watched other shows she's been in, and they were good shows. And the name of it is escaping me right now. They did a crossover with Warehouse 13. I can't think of Eureka. the name of the other show. Fringe or, oh, Eureka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, no, she wasn't, she, I, I, she wasn't in Eureka. She was in, uh, Josh, you might have to look that one up. Eureka's the oh, only show okay. I know of that Warehouse 13 crossed with. Nope, they crossed over with two shows. Right. Um, Maybe I'm just misremembering. It's cool. Sanctuary. Sanctuary. There you go. San oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sanctuary. Yeah, she was on Sanctuary, which is a brilliant show. I enjoyed it. I couldn't remember the name, so obviously not that much. I was not a uh, an avid fan. I didn't watch every season of the show. But every, all the episodes I watched, which is probably 15 or so, were great. But the character she played there was not as good as the character she played in SG-1. And so while the actor, Amanda Tapping, is amazing, her portrayal of this character was, to me, uh, 
something apart from other roles or other characters. And I thought that was just a brilliant role. That's why she made my long list. She was excellent in, in SG-1. Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite characters. I'm actually just getting into SG-1 because uh, I never watched it when it was on before. Um, and so uh, I have just started watching it. Um, and you're absolutely right. Uh, from what I have seen so far, just an absolutely amazing character and a brilliant part. Glenn, do you have anybody else on, on your list that you want to talk about today? Sydney Bristow from... What's the name of the show? I got the I got the character. Alias. Thank you. Woo! Alias. I mean, she was a lot of fun. Her character throughout all of the seasons of the show. She's uh she's strong, she's smart, she's sassy, uh balancing a double life as, you know, keeping a, a cover life for her normal foot friends, but she's also in the CIA. Well, throughout the show, she can she she portrays different characters constantly in disguise as a spy, saves the world repeatedly. Good times and a great character. Doesn't take any crap from anybody. I could go on and on. I would mention uh, Jamie Summers from the original Bionic Woman. Oh, hot. She's I in Warehouse 13, too, uh, isn't she? Uh, yeah, she is. She's, she's the doc. Yeah. Uh, I could mention uh, I, I could mention Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. Uh, Beverly Crusher from TNG. Heck, Maria from The Sound my, of Music. Was on my list. I can't mention. But the character Maria is, is for a young woman... A nun in the World War II age. She was very forward, very strong. Ooh, Aaron Brockovich too. Uh, yeah, I mean, Aaron Brockovich was a fabulous movie. Um, I, I noticed that one of the uh, one of the kind of big series that we talk about a lot on this show, but kind of uh, did not mention anybody here was Star Trek. We didn't mention anybody from Star Trek. And so not only from Star Trek Discovery, where we have Michael Burnham, uh, we have a lot of amazingly strong female characters in Discovery, but uh, one somebody that was on my long list uh, was Dr. Crusher from TNG, uh, played by Gates McFadden, in just a brilliant way. I, again, you talk about a series that has a lot of strong female characters, but Dr. Crusher was, again, different from all the other ones. You know, you had you had Deanna Troy, who was... Who was um, uh, kind of the the emotional empath, but kind of kept getting tangled up with Riker and all that sort of stuff. And I, I think kind of... Um, I don't know. I'm not sure how much that did necessarily for her agency, but Dr. Crusher, again, always from the very beginning was like, I am, I am who I am. I am going to tell you, I'm going to tell it to you straight. I'm going to give it to you right away. Short of the episode where she gets trapped in the, with the ghost of her great grandfather or what, like that short, that episode, like in like season six or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, um, if we, yeah, if we gloss over that particular episode for right now. <laughs> Lots of them have their 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 down moments sometimes in the course of their shows. But I love that you brought up Next Generation because I didn't think of her, but what my favorite female Star Trek character of all time is Natasha Yar, the oh, interesting. security okay. officer, the original security yeah. officer for the She's show. She's hands down my favorite Next Gen character, period. I loved her. She was badass and like, so strong. I was horribly offended by the death that she received because of their offense at the actress's choices, but because um, she deserved a warrior's death not to randomly get smothered by a tar monster. She should have died <laughs> saving the crew, um, but yeah. Natasha Yar. Yeah. I would say that for me, if I'm thinking Star Trek, Kira Norris has to rise to the top of that, because again, that's a character who took agency. We're talking a freedom fighter, possibly a terrorist, depending on your definition, a, certainly a warrior and a leader and eventually uh, a, a religious uh, figure within the Star Trek uh, expanded uh, universe. 
Jadzia Dax Again, to go with the same show. I loved also. Are. Same thing. They're just a lot of them. Um, and if you talk about newer track, the characters that are, uh, there are several characters who potentially, it's only one season in, but on lower decks that will show, that I believe yep. will show up as very strong female characters in, in the future. And again, uh, the lead, the lead character in lower decks is a character who is all about agency. She's actually in the show because of her taking agency. So she starts the show after making that decision. So we're watching what happens as she carries on that decision. And I think it's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Yep. And lower decks is definitely a show that we're going to be talking about more on this uh, podcast as uh, season two is coming up probably within the next few months here around the same time that, um, a strange new world. How many new Star Trek shows are there? Well, they're, they've got five of them in production. Good right Lord. Now. Picard, discovery, Picard, strange new worlds, lower decks, and, uh, the kid show, Prodigy, which I'm hearing rumors that Catherine Jane would Yes. Have. Yep. But yeah, so we're definitely going to be talking more about Lower Decks as it's uh, season two is coming out in the next few months, along with the premiere of Strange New Worlds. And so definitely we'll be talking more, more Star Trek uh in the next few months here but we hope that everybody enjoyed this show um uh, we really wanted to take some time to highlight some of our favorite female characters um you know uh for uh, for international women's day uh 2021 uh any final words from either of you guys i would just say this that in regards to female characters female empowerment player agency the, one of the things that we want to do is just talk about great characters to inspire how we play characters and give people ideas on what they can bring to the table, the types of activities or backstories or methods they can utilize with their characters at the table. I would also say, let's also take this for another purpose. The game table needs to be inclusive. It yep. needs to include women, uh, women plus at our tables. We need to have people feel comfortable to be at a table and gaming with us. This can't be a dingy old stogie filled boys club anymore. Right. Uh, I, I, it certainly isn't at my tables. It isn't at Josh's tables. It isn't at Glenn's nope. tables. The table, it, that's not how we at tabletop journeys do the game, but we know it's still out there and it's out there enough that we're not the only podcast who's out here talking about this. I wish many people lot, are still doing that. Yes. I'm not saying anybody who normally listens to this show does this because my guess is if you're listening to this show, you don't. But what I will say is, I guarantee you, we all know somebody who does consider this an all-boys club or leers at women when they come into the game shop or or makes women feel uncomfortable when they're at the game table, virtual or otherwise. And so what we want to say is be an ambassador and a supporter of the women who are part of our hobby and that we want to be part of our hobby and make sure when the moments come, you stand up be counted. That's what this is about. That's the moment when you get to take your agency in real life to support real people. And what will happen as a result of that is you're going to be a better person. You're going to create a better world and our game tables as a result of being in a better world will be better. Besides the more inclusive we can make our tables and the more people that we can welcome to them, the better chance that you have to meet more people that share a common interest with you. I mean, my best advice to all gamers out there, if you can, regardless of your preference or what you're into or who you're into, try to score yourself a gamer. If you're a gamer, I did. It rocks. I don't get in trouble for playing game time. I just have her play too. 
and it's great. Video games, role-playing, she's in. Everybody should be welcome. And I really enjoyed doing this episode. It was a whole lot of fun, just like that letterboxing ring that I had done previously to really look into and think about, you know, some of the strong female roles and characters and people out there in the world. And it's not just women. I mean, we all know the our world is full of adversity and minorities of some form, whether you're talking about gender, religion, height, weight, there's always um, there's always room for more acceptance. There's always room for more, hey, stop and think about what they're actually going through and having to deal with. And these really are the troves that we delve through to find inspiration when we're creating the NPCs and the people that we put in our games is, you know, if I'm looking for a strong female character, I go to a list like the one we just made and I, I look for tropes straight up from them to work into them. So you can do that too. When you're making your own characters, you can make your next role legendary. Thank you for joining us. This has been tabletop journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. You can join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. And make sure you join our growing online community. You can follow us on Twitter at TT Journeys and join us on Facebook just by searching Tabletop Journeys there. You can also reach us by email at podcast at ttjourneys.com. And if you want to catch early access to our episodes and some of the other benefits we have coming down the pipeline, you can also support our production at patreon.com slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, Audible, or any other podcast platform, we would really appreciate if you would like and subscribe to the podcast. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays and every Wednesdays. We'll feature our side quest series where we talk about pretty much anything tabletop oriented. Thank you all so much for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler on our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.